Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. I'm a recovered alcoholic, and my name is Megan. All right, let's have Ronnie come up and tell us our joke now. All right, I'm Ronnie. I'm an alcoholic. Here we go. An Englishman, a Scotsman, and an Irishman walk into a bar and begin drinking. Soon they noticed a large glass vase of gold coins in the corner and asked the barman what it was there for. The barman told them, That there is the prize for anyone who can, one, drink a full bottle of tequila in two minutes, two, go into that room over there with a lion inside and pull a thorn from the lion's foot, and three, finally go upstairs and make love to a 100-year-old woman. The prize money was too much for the men to pass over, so they all agreed to try. The Englishman goes first, but after only a half of the tequila, he collapses drunk. The Scotsman next. He downs the tequila and staggers to the lion's room. The door is closed, and there is a massive scream, and soon afterwards, he stumbles back out of the room with his hand bitten off. The Irishman drinks the tequila and stumbles towards the lion's room. The door is closed behind him, and almost immediately, there are massive screams and shouts coming from behind the door. Screams which last for nearly ten minutes. There is banging up against the sides of the door and everything, and then silence. The Irishman emerged, battered, bleeding, and torn. Now, he says, where is that lady with the thorn in her foot? (laughs) Thanks for joining us tonight. 
In a minute, uh, we're going to start our two-minute uh, meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that uh, make noise and that might or will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? If so, let's start the meditation. fog light prayer. It's up on the screens on either side of me. God, there is a solution from the big book, page 17. Uh, the tremendous fact for every one of us is that uh, we have discovered a common solution. Uh, we have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Kathleen to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. Uh, we read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one. So it's kind of important to know what one is. Um, spiritual experience. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that personality changes sufficient to bring out the recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. 
Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of a sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, the collusion is erroneous. The, in the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by the vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realized that he has undergone a a profound alteration in his reaction to life and that such change could hardly have been brought upon by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could have seldom been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify as their own concept of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious member calls it God-consciousness. Most empathetically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of experience can recover, provided that he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulties with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. The principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting. So please just hit your phones to airplane or meeting mode or just turn them off. Um, Now I'd like to introduce Doc, who's coming up for his second session with us, and I'm very excited to hear what he has to say tonight. They removed the podium so I don't fall off of it anymore. And it was, who who just read? Caitlin? Caitlin? Catherine, I knew it was a K word, but I couldn't see you. That's why I didn't know your name, because you're <laughs> way down here. Because they took away the podium, that's why. Doc, alcoholic. I am so blessed to be here, and I thank God they wrote this down. I thank God. Every day I look at it, I go, oh my gosh. There it is in black and white, right? I don't have to listen to the things that get mumbled around and try to weed through them, you know. Before I get started, I want to be clear about something last week. Um, I was not making fun of my friend, the guy that had the gray area in his life, the guy that followed a, a, a guru, because, you know, he was just a living example of someone who, who thought his life was gray. That's all. So I want to be certain that you know that, uh, 
He's having a great life. You know, both, he's married to his, the love of his life. They're both very happy. Everything worked out. It's very black and white now. I have nothing against anybody following a guru named Master. I think that's awesome, right? Really, I'm serious. And uh, I also realize that this is being recorded, and even though he will never listen to it, that kind of stuff has a way of coming back and biting me on the behind. So, um, Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I love the little thing. Thank you, Mike. That's so cool. You know, I love the little, I love when I got here, the little things like, I came, I came to, I came to believe. I go, okay, I could swallow that. That's cool, right? That was enough. Meeting over. I'm ready to go to Denny's. <laughs> right? Like, I could not, I had, who was it? I, I don't know if it was this meeting. No, it was the Monday night meeting. He goes, I'm in my second year. It was another, it was a young fellow with another nice mustachio, yeah? And he's a lovely young man, and he goes, Dang, he goes, I was here a year ago, but I only had like, you know, a month sober, and I came for the whole year listening to you do the big book study. I didn't understand a word you said. And he says, now I got a year, and I like, I'm starting to like, oh, I get it now, what he's talking about in the book. So if you don't understand a word I say, don't worry about it. You know, a lot of people don't. And then then, like my friend Chris is quoting me from recordings years ago. I go, what? who said that? That sounded pretty cool there. He says, well, that was yours. Oh, okay, good. All right. Um, what I like to do is I encourage you to go to lots of step studies. I like to go to step studies. There are lots of different meetings, you know. For a while, South Florida only had like one kind of meeting, which is a speaker and pass the mic share meeting. It's, it seemed like... Every meeting was that, you know? And I, and, and I it started really, it started leaving a bad taste in my mouth because not only what other people were doing, but I was also one of the people counting to see how many people it would be till the mic got to me. So I was not listening to anything anyone was saying. I was thinking about what great pearls of wisdom I would cast before the swine at the meeting, right? <laughs> And, and so then it gets to me, and I go, okay, let's see, I, was trying, I didn't want to write it down, so I have three th- points. To, it was terrible. Um, now I see it change a lot. So in the old days, they used to go, look, you've got to go to every kind of meeting, right, Paul? Knows. He's, he, they would say, right, you've got to go to a step study, a big book study, speaker-only meeting, a meditation meeting, a meeting where you do share, but you share your experience. And uh, experience is... The William James kind, you know, we just heard him mentioned, right? A spiritual experience. This thing, this experience down here, the spiritual awakening. Not just what you did that day, right? <laughs> and then I, I'd have people go like, you know, I go, you talked for 20 minutes about your cat. Well, that's my experience. No, it's not, right? Unless your cat got ran over and you brought it in and prayed over it and it got up and ran around then maybe that's your spiritual experience and you can share that. Um, But I encourage you to go to other step meetings because what I like to do is kind of of explore between the steps, right? And that's what, what I've been doing for a few years now. And like last week, we talked a little bit about what it was like in my life. I was, you know, I didn't think I was a mess. 
because I got, you know, I got 99% sober, so I thought I was fine, right? I was unemployed, living in a basement apartment that I had taken over from a friend. See, I had been in the rock and roll business all in the 80s, so I was touring with, with uh, Alice Cooper and, and uh, Aerosmith and Black Sabbath. And, and then on the other side, that was all the rock and roll guys. Then on the other side, all the R&B bands back then, you know, which you may or may not know. It used to impress women quite a bit, but now they're like nobody knows who they are. Um, they do know Rick James, however. They do know Rick James. <laughs> I have stories. I have stories. Um, and then, then you know, uh, one of my buddies in the crew, you know, I went and stayed with him, and then he left, and he said, just take your money, put it in an envelope, shove it under the manager's door, she'll never know we switched apartments that you're living there now. And that's what, what happened. And it was one of those apartments that was like, like a Pueblo, you know, with like ladders, you know what, a, what a, a, an Indian Pueblo looked like, right? Three, like three or four levels, and they had ladders up them, right? And that's what these apartments were like. And I was in the basement level, right? And so if, if my girlfriend and I started to fight, if she screamed loud enough, someone would call the cops because the cops came every Friday and every Saturday, right? Repeatedly. And I just didn't want to be one of them. And one night she was, she was drunk out of her mind because, remember, I'm fine. She was just drunk. And I tried everything to cure her, like... I tried drinking two hours before she and I went to the bar so that I would be drunk at this level and then she could come up and drink and we'd meet and leave. But it didn't, it didn't work that way, right? <laughs> and we tried everything. And she, we would drive home and she would go, I, I saw you talking to that bartender. I'd go, yeah, uh, Dave. No, 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 there was a woman there. No, there wasn't. Yes, there was. And then she'd grab the wheel and try to drive into oncoming traffic, you know, because... Hey, you know, drunk, crazy, jealous. So she was screaming one night, and I locked her in the bedroom <laughs> for her own safety, and it, she passed out. And I, honest to God, this is true, and the, the, it's really sick that you're going to laugh, and I know, because it is sick. But I, I looked, and there was... There was like a little fireplace, and it was Arizona, so you never used the fireplace. So there were just logs in it, right? It looked good. And the logs were about a little bit bigger than my arm, and, and she had passed out in there, and I thought, God, I just can't leave her, you know? It would hurt too much. I cannot leave her. It would hurt too much. But if I took one of those logs, I could sneak in there, bam, my troubles would be over with one smack to the head. <laughs> See, and you laughed because you know you felt the same thing. I could kill her, but I cannot leave her, right? I love her too much to leave, but I could kill her and all my problems would be over, right? That's how we are. That's how we are. Now, a couple months ago, I was thinking, when I speak, I need to say, these are only my opinions, you know, it's only my understanding of the book, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that's wrong. That is wrong. This is not what I'm coming to present. Um, I'm coming to present what I have learned from the book in 30 years of being sober and 28 and a half years of reading the book, right? Like most people. Um, and I'm presenting it in the best way I know how. 
and, and I'm praying that it will be help, helpful to you. I know some people will disagree with it, and that's good. And, and I'm willing to express what I understand in this in either a discussion or a debate. That's how strong I feel about it. So I'm not going to soften it and say, well, this is just my opinion and take what you want and leave the rest. Because already there will be somebody that does that anyway. I don't need to soften it, right? This is what I truly in my heart believe, all right? And, and I would suggest even if you don't believe it, you might want to try it. We were down in Plato's cave last week, right? And, and we realized in that allegory that... How many of you went on YouTube and checked that out? Don't raise your hands. Okay, Mike raises his hand. All my questions are, are metaphorical, are, are, are rhetorical. 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 <laughs> rhetorical. Talking like the president now. I'm a good shaman. You're a very shaman. <laughs> I love it. Um, I know, it's outside issue. I have no opinion. But I am very amused that we forget that the, here's a guy that did a lot of coke in the 80s, and now we're surprised that he talks like this and does a lot of, you know, antihistamines. It's just, come on. They forget how soon we forget what happened in the 80s, you know? God, it's like it just disappeared. I was there. It was great. It was awesome. Then it suddenly didn't work anymore near the end of the 80s. And by 1990, I was sober. Um, so I'm going to say this, right? This is not a trick. Let's, let's go to one, Mike, right? We didn't, we didn't sneak in and they go, okay, admit you're powerless. Okay, we got you over a barrel, the book says. Now we jump to two. And it says, now you need a capital P power greater than yourself. Uh, but don't worry about it. And then go to three. Uh-oh, look, it's God. Ha ha, gotcha. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. If you'll go back to two, sir. It, it, this is, I truly believe, we come in here thinking we might know God, either we don't like God, uh, many of us are agnostic, which is really a clever word for saying, like, I'm not going to make a decision, right? It's really great, because we, we stay on the fence for everything, you know, I was going to say something about my ex-wife, and then I thought, no, she'll hear this damn recording too. So I'm going to say, someone I used to know. Could it, be, it could be anyone. Could be anyone. And I'd say, what time do you want to do it? But she was an alcoholic, a recovered alcoholic. I'd say, what time do you want to do it? And she'd say, let's just play it by ear. That's like the alcoholic's watch, right? Oh, whenever, you know, when it feels right. Make a decision. Oh, I don't know. That's, that's why that word's going to come up next week. Right? It's so important we make it a rule that you have to do it. Normal people, first of all, they don't laugh at killing your spouse. <laughs> and two, they generally make a decision. Right? But you and I, even, even in recovery, will stand on the train platform trying to decide whether we're going north or south. You know, you know, it suddenly occurred to me I shouldn't go north, right? We're just, it just happens all the time. Man, look at relationships. I am so in love. And then next week, it's like, how you doing? Oh, God. 
I want to kill her. Okay, well then don't kill her, just break up, but I love her so much. <laughs> right? I'm afraid she'll get somebody else. Okay, so you're waiting for somebody else to come along to make the decision for you. Yeah, I'm an alcoholic. All right, so the reason I'm bringing all that up is because, okay, I've got some sort of God in my life, or, or I'm an agnostic. I'm undecided. The book says that uh, we should not dislike religion, right? We should not hate religion. We should not be biased. By the way, if you look at the origins of the word religion, it comes from reguli, which means to hold something sacred. It transliterates to worship, right? So people who say, well, I'm spiritual, but I don't like religion. Well, then you're not following what's in the book, right? The book clearly says you need to find a way to communicate with your God. And that's what religion is. Now, if we go to our buddy William James, and by the way, if you're not reading that book, you're missing out. Because those 20 lectures are, one, some of them are quite funny. And two, he talks directly to you in those lectures. And just a little, little tip, if you have trouble reading early 20th century or late 19th century writings, the trick is that they used to write concentrically, right? They'd have a big thought, and in it they'd put a smaller thought, and in that sentence they'd put a smaller. So you'd start here, and you'd get on this thought, and then you'd go down into a second thought, and down into a third thought. They'd finish the third thought, come up, finish the second thought, and then finish the original thought right? And all you have to do is, is read the whole thing through and then separate them, and it's easy to read, all right? It's just, d just don't read it stoned, right? Because then it goes, right? And it's just, you know, early 20th century babble. But if you read, read William James, it's awesome. And, and I believe that we come in and we go, okay, I've got some sort of God concept, but I'm not sure what it is, right? I'm spiritual, I'm not religious, right? And, and that may be true. I don't know how to worship. And a lot of people don't know the difference between worship and praise either. That's a big thing. But I just have this sort of concept, that's enough for me, the book says. Most of us come in going, that's enough. I live a good life. I'm not really the horrible person most people think I am. Only generally if you get between me and a drink, if I have a drink or whatever form of drink that I have that keeps me sedated, I'm fine. I'm a good person. I care for other people. I have empathy. That's God enough for me. Right? And, and I was talking to my friend David driving here. And we were talking about have, having a concept of something and thinking that's right, doing the right thing, or really having it in my heart to do the right thing, right? And the example he was talking about was, was tithing some of his money. Got a good job, sober now a few years. God gave him a good job. He wants to take a certain percentage of that and give it back to God, generally through AA, but absolutely anonymously, right? With a secret envelope tucked into the basket at different meetings and no one will know it's him. And I said, you know, that's exactly like when we come in here, when we come in here and we say we believe in a higher power and it's in there, but it's not like in there, you know? It's like, okay, I know I want to I hide the money so nobody knows I'm putting it in, but in the back of my mind, I really wished everybody knew I was the one putting it in there. 
right? Because we really do want to do that, but we know it's the right thing to hide it in there and not let anybody see. But if they happen to see me putting the envelope together, that'd be okay, right? And that proves why it's so vitally important that no one sees it. Because I know I'm already being pulled away from what is right, right? I know that. And I know that if people see that, that's a good example because as soon as my pride just will blossom, man. I put in more. You know, I paid for these seats. Get, get your feet off of them. <laughs> right? Quit wasting those coffee cups. I pay for those. Right? Right? You can't do that. Same here. We come in going, oh, no, I've got the God thing kind of down. I'm good. Either, I don't, I, either I'm kind of mad at him or... I was a Catholic, and I really hate nuns, so now I'm kind of a, a Buddhist, which is all okay. It's all good. But none of it's really a decision yet, right? It's all kind of a concept. And I, I believe that that power, that we're, we're not sneaking it in on you. It's that you don't need God at two. But you're going to meet him between two and three. That's what's awesome. Like it or not, you're going to bump into some power greater than you. And as it says in How It Works, that one is God. And you're going to go, oh, I have found him now. <laughs> so you crawl out that hole in, 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 in the allegory, in Plato's allegory. You get outside, right? You're scared to death. You're in great pain. You see shadows that you recognize, but you're so confused they become reflections, and then finally you see what you think is the real world and compare it to where you've been in that, that cave, and you go mad until eventually you seek where all this color and shape is coming from, the sun, which is the metaphor for God, the creator in this allegory. And you look up and find it. All right, so that's what we've done. <coughs> Excuse me. In More About Alcoholism, Bill says, you know, by following this, plenty of us have been able to pick up our beds and walk, right? There are three, uh, three references to that story uh, biblically, and two of them are not the ones Bill's talking about, right? Two of them are about when, when Jesus was talking, and remember, he's a radical speaker, right? And everybody was coming to hear him, and it was so crowded that these cats brought uh, a relative, and he was uh, infirmed. He couldn't get out of the bed. They went up on the roof and pulled all the palm fronds apart and lowered him down. And then there's a whole lesson in there. That's not what was, Bill was talking about. Bill's talking about the one in John 5, 8, which is this old man. It's a great story, Bethesda. And Bethesda is this magic pool that the Jews set up, because in Jewish culture, that's where we get, by the way, the habit of washing our hands before we eat. Completely Jewish, right? They didn't know anything about germs when they started that. It was a ritual. It was a ritual. That's where baptism comes from, right? So there was this beautiful pool and people in Bethesda, and people would come to it, the sick, and then dig this. Angels would show up and, quote, trouble the water, right? Boil up the water. And then, then those who were sick or crippled or whatever, would lame, would get into it, be healed, and come out. And there was this cat. Now, it doesn't matter if this is it's a mythology, right? That means it's also an allegory. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. It doesn't matter if I believe it's true or not. 
But it's in the big book, and it's something we might want to understand what he meant when he said, pick up your bed and walk. Because that doesn't make any sense at all, right? I had a friend, Tim George. He was 6'9". I'm 6'5", so he was like this big. And one time I was at some friend's house, and we were getting so baked, right? And I look out of the window, and way, we were at the end of the block. And way down at the block, I see this guy, and it looks like he's carrying a couch, And as he gets closer, it's my friend Tim. And he's got this full-size couch over his head, and he's coming down the road like this. And he finally gets there, and we go, it's like, he looked like Frankenstein, right? He was really a sweet guy. Very gentle voice, but a dog had bit him in the face when he was a kid. So he had like this overhanging brow and a flat nose, right? And so he looked like the Frankenstein monster. And he's carrying this giant couch, And we are so baked, we just couldn't stop laughing, right? And finally, when he gets there, we go, Tim, what are you doing? Well, my landlord threw me out, so F him. I'm stealing the couch. (laughs) (laughs) And he ran with it like six blocks, man. So Tim could pick up his bed and walk. I cannot pick up my bed and walk. I don't even know what that means. That's why I'm bringing it up now. So so there's there's an old man there. Jesus shows up with his crew, right? And there's this old man there. And he's all bent up, and, and he goes, uh, I can't get in the pool. I can't get healed. And Jesus goes, now this is, this is a great thing, because this is a Bill Wilson thing. He goes, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be, the equivalent, do you want to be sober forever? Now, the cat does not, we don't find out that he's been laying there 38 years. 38 years a relapser right? He's been trying to get in the pool for 38 years. He doesn't say, oh, yes, I want to be made whole. He gives Jesus his whole hard luck story. (laughs) He goes, well, I've been laying here 38 years, and Every time the angels come and trouble the water, nobody will help me to the pool, and they push me out of the way, and then they get healed, and I don't, and I'm still here. And so Jesus, I think, is a little annoyed at this point, and he goes, fine, pick up your bed and walk. You're healed. Go. Pick it up. Get out. 38 years down the drain, you're healed. Guess what? Same thing happened to me. Same thing happened to you. You're, if you're sober right now, that's what happened. You didn't go through these steps and suddenly have, you know, after 12 steps, you go, oh, I have a spiritual awakening. I, I'm sober. You start sober, hopefully, right? <laughs> I've worked with a lot of guys. I never worked with guys through the steps drunk. And then had him at the end go, oh, I finally found God, and I'm sober. No. This story that Bill mentions in here, Pick Up Your Bed and Walk, is about a cat who didn't even say, yes, I want it. Just like I wasn't able to say, yes, I want to be sober the rest of my life. You don't even have to answer the questions correctly. You just have to be in the way of the truck. Right? Called God. Because like it or not, how did, how did, in the allegory of the cave, how did Plato's slave get out of the cave? He was forced out. He couldn't stay. Why are you sitting in here? You were forced off that bar stool. 
I, you know, I don't know. I think I've heard the story of like, you know, I just suddenly came to the decision that even though my life is going fine, then I should probably go to AA meetings for the rest of my life and devote my life to helping those less fortunate alcoholics. No. They're like, I woke up like, like the dragon smog laying on a pile of hypodermics and empty scotch bottles and rolled over and burped fire and went, I need to do something. And, can't, and somebody dragged me here, right? Right? So I want to find God. I, 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 I already have made it to two, but I'm on my way to three in this, in this session, right? I believe this stuff. That power is the hole. That's the tunnel out of the cave. That's all I need. I don't need God. I just need a single way out. The word dilemma comes up all the time. We talked about it last week, right? Die to, lemma to choose. To choose one or the other. The whole book is a dilemma. There's no multiple choices, and dilemma does not mean problem. Comes up in step two. Lack of power. That was our dilemma. What does that mean? It means you're powerless, right? I have found nine out of ten problems we have in sobriety are step one problems. I know that we think it's step four problems and step eight problems and step seven problems and step six but if you dig under that, you'll find that you didn't truly believe you were powerless. That you still had a little razor in your shoe, as we used to say. You know? I still got a card up my sleeve. Something. I haven't completely committed to this God thing. And we don't expect you to in the first few steps, right? So... We'll let you study step two by reading what I find the most interesting chapters to the agnostic. I just find it absolutely, marvelously metaphysical. Um, but we're going to look at that white space between two and three, right? Because what it talks about in, in, in the book is reason, right? And that reason only gets us so far. Now, we want to go... When we come out of this metaphor, right, this, this allegory, allegorical cave, we're going to go into other allegories that are in the 12 and 12 for step three, right? We're going to find ourselves at a door, and there's a path, and there's a sign, and there's a lock, and there's a key, and all this weird metaphysical stuff, right? And that's what we're going to find. But where is it? It's in this weird land that's past a bridge that's described in the book. And it says, the bridge of reason, right, which is thought, thinking, will only take us so far. And we can't quite get to the shore of spirituality. We just can't get there. There's a gap between the bridge and the shore that I cannot get there on my own. No human power can get me there. And it talks about that clearly, right? Now, I can see God is over there somewhere. And I have the concept, but I don't know him yet, right? I think I do, but I don't. So William James has some, something to say about this, right? Oddly enough, who? Varieties of religious experience, right? Let's go here. 
Let's take a look at what Brother James says. Now, is reason bad? No, no, no. Reason is not bad. But at some point we have to leave reason and use faith. Right? And that's something we don't know about. That's like telling a newcomer, it's okay, man, just be yourself. Ah! What the hell does that mean? Right? I remember, that's what they told me at the dances at year one. Right? I would go to the CA dances because all the young people were there in 1990. And, and, and like, I had not asked a woman to dance sober since I was 14. Right? So I didn't know it. And I'm, I'm a grown man going like, uh, gee, uh, you wouldn't, I'm sure you wouldn't like probably want to um, dance or anything like that, right? You know, it was, it was, yeah, it was sad. It was sad. It was sad. Right? And then speaking of reason, but see, they go, that's okay, man. Just be yourself. Come <laughs> here, just be myself. I haven't been myself mm, ever. Yeah. Right? Ever. When I was a little kid, I pretended to be somebody else. When I got older, I pretended to be somebody else. When I could grow long hair, I instantly became somebody else, right? When I could pick my own clothes in high school, somebody else. My dad caught me one morning. He goes, oh, my God, what, the circus is in town? (laughs) Of course, I had striped pants, a vest, and a top hat on, too. So I was, I didn't wear shoes for about two years there. And I had my own underground comic book, so (laughs) life was good, man. Life was good. So it says reason will only get us so far, right? Thinking will only get us so far. Okay, William James says when he starts out his book, Varieties, um, he says there are three things we're going to look for, a criteria, right, of anything of a religious nature. And they need to meet these three things or else I'm not interested in studying them. He says, one, they have to be morally uplifting, right? For something to be religious, it should morally vitalize you. He said, it also has to make sense, has to be intellectually stimulating, right? And three, possibly the most importantly, at least arguably the most important, must be enlightening, right? And so if, if, if your, quote, quote, religious practices follow those three things, that's all you need to do. You, you're doing great. You're doing great, you know? If it, if it morally, if it gives you something ethical to aim for, right? If it makes your heart feel good, if it makes sense to you, and, and, and if you're enlightened, right, then you're, you're doing good. But, but here's what James brings up. So what is faith? We don't know what faith is. I have no idea what faith is. How can I, how can I figure out what faith is? Well, I'll tell you real quickly, and then you'll find out in the book a lot. Faith, pardon me while I use my, my church fan. Faith, this is from a church I used, I used to be a minister at the world's smallest church in Forestville, California. You know, look it up, the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church. It's awesome. I am, I am no longer affiliated with it, but it's the world's smallest church. It's about the size of a, a little bit bigger than a phone booth, but you can get two people in there. You can get three people in there for a wedding, but that's it. That's it. No, it's awesome. It's awesome. God's anywhere you put two or more, right? God's there. Um, faith is not your belief, right? Faith is not that blind belief that, uh, you know, I, I even, is it up here? I think I saw it 
in here. The, the big book says it. I believe it. There, therefore, that's it, right? I think that's taken from the Bible says it, therefore. Well, that eliminates the intellectual part that women, <laughs> William James is talking about, right? You need to be able to use a little reason in your religious experience, right? In your, in your came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I already talked about sanity last week, right? What insanity was. This week I'll mention it says in there, sanity is soundness of mind. After it described on page 37 what insanity is. So you can look it up in the big book. Right? We came to believe, but I don't know what that is, and I want to get to a place where I can make a decision. But there's a big gap in between there, right? And that gap is that bridge of reason where I'm thinking, and i got to make it all the way over to the shore of faith. I can't get there. The shore of spirituality. Faith can do that. Faith is much more. Faith is part of grace. Joy's in there, peace is in there. All these divine gifts, forgiveness, all this wonderful stuff, restoration, all this stuff is in grace. Comes all the time from God, all the, according to the book. I'm not talking about my God. I'm talking about the God described in the big book in the 12 and 12. As, as I lovingly say, the God of AA, which means a big umbrella for all of us, right? Okay, that, the, the him that is described in our big book, that's all. So is reason bad? Well, for me it was. Normally it's not. But my sponsor said, I want you to take that 64 questions, or what is it, 28 questions, or what's the pamphlet? Do you know? 40? 44 questions. He said, mark out drinking and write in thinking. And ask yourself that question on every... Do you wake up and need to think? (laughs) Yeah. Are you often thinking secretly? Yes. You know, and it just goes on. And I'm looking at it going, oh my God, this is a problem for me. It fits, right? It fit for the drinking, but it also fit for the thinking, which is ironically why usually we have the sign upside down in the room. We do think, but we want to do it with a certain different approach. Right? But that's what reason is. And so we, we reason, but we have to be able to let it go so that we can float over with faith to this spiritual shore that the book describes, right? But how do we do that? How do I let go? I don't need to create faith. I don't need to believe anything. Faith is not a belief system, right? Belief is in faith, but faith is a much more dynamic thing, much more intricate thing, much more elaborate thing. But dig this. I'm going to read from Varieties of Religious Experience. I believe in the third chapter on page 54, but, but I'm not going to quote William James. I'm going to go way back. I'm going to go back about 300 years to Immanuel Kant, a, ph- a German philosopher who was a, a materialist. And James was actually fighting the materialists with, with his approach to psychology. And, and if you don't know much about psychology, of, of ancient psychology, or at least uh, 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 historical psychology, um, it's really the psych- psychology of science. It wasn't like, you know, as we see modern psychology as the study of your mind. Of course, the word psych uh, references the soul, but uh, 
But in, 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 you know, in the 18th century, and I think Kant was around 1701, was uh, they were looking at how everything fit together from the world to the, the universe to you and me, and that was psychology, like, like the ancient philosophers. So Immanuel Kant was an odd cat. And these guys, and, and, and William James references a lot of them, they're philosophers that would think so much and so far that they would have a thesis and then they would think so far that they would eventually prove themselves wrong, right? And then they'd have to come back to their thesis and start over. It was awesome. So they just spent their lives thinking, right? And a lot of them were great. It's a lot to read that. But Immanuel Kant was a, a, a materialist. He, he felt that the only things that existed, unlike Plato, who was not, right, who said the only things that exist are forms, all of this is fake, Immanuel Kant said, no, this is the only real stuff. All that other stuff just exists in your mind. doesn't even exist. So, so this is what William James says. He's talking about um, how human beings know there's a God. How do we conceive of weird things like, like divine forgiveness or immortality or a spirit of God, or a trinity, or any of these weird things, right? And he says, uh, Immanuel Kant held a curious doctrine about such objects of belief as God, the design of creation, the soul, its freedom, and the life hereafter. These things, he said, are properly not objects of knowledge at all. We can follow that. Right? They're just concepts. Right? We've never seen it. We have no way to measure it. I'm very good friends with Penn and Teller. And they used to be so kind. And then Penn just got angry at some point, you know, and became a militant atheist, right? And so he's very big on, if I can't see it and touch it, uh, then it doesn't exist. You go, okay, so love, compassion... And so he's a materialist. No, those things are all just in your mind, right? Okay, I don't believe that. I believe those are actual things. My experience in this program shows me that all those things are closer to reality than the bottle, which is just a symptom, and all that other stuff. We're going to sum it up here. Our conceptions always require a sense content to work with, as the word soul, God, immortality, cover no distinctive sense contact, right? You can't smell it, touch it, taste it, whatever. It follows that theoretically speaking, they are words devoid of any significance, Kant says. Yet strangely enough, they have a definite meaning for our practice, right? How would we get sober without the soul? It's a soul sickness without the concept of soul? How would we get sober without the concept of God? That's what this whole program is about. So if you find yourself looking for the tangible stuff in this program, you're not going to find it. The only tangible things we have are examples sitting in this room, and that's what the book says. If you need proof, look around the meeting, it says. That's your proof. Okay, thank you, God. We can act as what Immanuel Kant suggests, we can act 
as if. Oh, that's where it comes from, 1701. We can act as if there were a God. Feel as if we were free. Consider nature, with a capital N, as if she were full of special designs. We can lay plans as if we were to be immortal. And we find then that these words do make a genuine difference in our moral life. Our faith that, our faith that these unintelligible objects actually exist proves, and it's a very long sentence, so I'm going to break it up for you. It proves that we actually have a knowledge of what they might be if we were permitted to just conceive them. Does that make sense? Right? Our faith that there is a soul, Immanuel Kant, the guy that's going against us, eventually states, he says, our faith that there is one gives us the knowledge of what it would be like if we created it. Our faith that there is a God is the same as the knowledge of a God that we would create in our own minds anyway. And it has a change in our life. It doesn't matter. So see, Wilson is not thinking up something new when later he says, a God of your understanding. It's come from ancient... This whole book is based on ancient teachings. So what's going to happen is we are going to come here, right? This, this blank space. And we're going to be able... To go, you know what? I suddenly, like it said in the book, where, where, where he's talking about, I talked to this guy, and, and, and he said, well, I don't believe in God, and, and, and they're talking back and forth, and all of a sudden he said, the thought just came into my mind. Right? Who are you to say there is no God? Right? Who are you to decide for the entire universe? And that thought came into him. Reading that, I believe, and having experience, that that was not his thought. Right? I believe what Plato taught, that everything that can possibly be known to a human is already known by all of us. It, just different experiences bring it out in us. Right? Just like drugs. Drugs don't make you high. Drugs enable the natural things in your body and brain to be released so that you're high. Right? Drugs don't do it. They allow you to do it. Just like you can't force your body to relax. In a meditation, you can allow it to relax. It does it on its own, right? God's going to do what God's going to do. So all you have to do is let go and believe that, yeah, like the book says, do you, are you now willing to believe that there is or could even be possibly a power greater than you? They slice it so thin. Do you believe now or are you willing to believe that maybe later sometime that possibly there could be a power greater than you. Yes. You're on the shore. And you go, how'd I get to three? Just like, how'd you get to two? Right? If you're powerless, you're automatically at two. If you suddenly have this belief, you don't have to understand God or know God. But when you get here, all of a sudden the book says, the dilemma is clear. Either he's everything or he's nothing. He exists or he doesn't. 
right? You can't do that. And we were talking about that last week. You can't do that when you come into two because you don't know God. You think you do, but you don't know God, right? But later, as we start, as we traverse, as we continue on this journey and we, we follow, and the book describes it, reason only takes us so far, right? Thinking about what God could and couldn't be, arguing with myself can only get me so far, and then I go, you know what? I'm done. As I, I realize I don't have the power to decide. Lack of power is my real dilemma. I cannot choose. It says, at some point we have lost the power of choice in drink. And, and to me, step one, drink was pretty much my life. So I've lost the power to go, you know, I can't differentiate the true from the false anyway. So I go, you know what? I'm done. Take me. And all of a sudden, this faith, you just find yourself on the shore. And you go, well, how'd I get here? And you don't go back. Right? You're still powerless. You go to the door, which is what we'll find in, in step three, right? He says, my object in thus recalling Kant's doctrine to your mind is not to express any opinion as to the accuracy of this particularly uncouth part of his philosophy. Right? He says, I don't even like this, what Kant says. I'm not a Kant fan. But he's got a point. Right? Because, Because James is here studying human nature looking for the religious experience in every kind of person. And like our 12 and 12 says, there are probably as many different religious experiences, spiritual awakenings, as there are those people who have had them. It says, it says real ones, authentic ones. Because there are times, I believe that I've had a spiritual awakening between two and three. It's not the one I'm aiming for, but it's an all of a sudden, right? And you feel it. You know when you're a newcomer, you feel it, right? You come in here and you're all gray. And then things start to clear up, right? And it's black and white. And then you're like a checker and you got to move. And you, you make a move. And all of a sudden at two, you find yourself at three. And you go, oh man, can I do that? And that's what we'll talk about next week. Doesn't matter. We're talking about that space. I have not really ever had to work the steps. I'm on the sixth time doing them now. But I have been drawn into them, right? As if the stairway were reversed. As if this were step one, and if I did it fully, the very next thing would just pull me to step two, right? I'm completely powerless, so I need to find a power. And now that I've found this power and I can't go any further without just letting go, boom, it's God. May you find him now. And now here I am on three, and I go, okay, I give everything to God. You know what? I need to clean up inside. Boom, it's four. I don't, I don't need to force myself through that. If I do a thorough eight, I have to do a nine, right? And then what's great is this is an oroboso. That's a snake eating its own tail. This is the alchemic sign for fire of which the book talks about that's what burns off the dross, right? Which is also a biblical term, but it's a, a, a metallurgic term. 
If you take, say, gold ore and you melt it, all the slag comes to the top. You scoop off the dross, the impurities, and you're left with pure gold through fire. The Oroboso eating its own tail is me getting to 12. And either I have a big, the longer I'm here, the bigger the circle gets. Because now 12 leads me to 1 on the, on, the, on the traditions. But if it wasn't that, 12, having had a spiritual awakening, I go, oh my God, I'm powerless. And I'm right back there, right? This is a perfect circle. I believe, if it's done right. Okay, so a a couple things. I hope I encourage you to read William James. Uh, I hope I encourage you to read um, more about alcoholism and we agnostics. And uh, I'll I'll, I'll read one last thing and and I'm out of here. On page 53 of the big book. Or we just call it by its real title, right? Page 53 of Alcoholics Anonymous. Let's think up a new name for our group, shall we? It's really not the name of our group. It's the name of our book, right? What could we call it? We could call it Happy, Joyous, and Free. Incorporated. I don't know. Call it the secret cult of the smiling sun god. Right? That would mess the press up. (laughs) Jack Anderson wouldn't have written about that one, would he? Okay. So just after it says God is everything or he's nothing, which is in the middle of we agnostics, either he is or he isn't, what's our choice to be? I can't make the choice. Arrived at this point, at the end of the bridge, We were squarely confronted with the question of faith. We couldn't duck the issue. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. The outlines and the promise of the new land had brought luster to our tired eyes and fresh courage to our flagging spirits. Friendly hands had stretched out in welcome We were grateful that reason had brought us so far, but somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. Perhaps we'd been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile, and we did not like to lose our support. That was natural, but let us think a little more closely. Without knowing it, had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith? For we not... For did we not believe in our own reasoning? Did we not have confidence in our ability to think? What was that but a sort of faith? Yes, we had been faithful, abjectly faithful, to the God of reason. So in one way or another, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. I'm Doc. I'll see you next week. Alcoholic. Can we give another round of applause for Doc? (laughs) 
And now we're going to have Ryan come up for the secretary's report. Hey, I'm Ryan. I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. Hey. Um, in keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. Um, I've asked David to read the recovered statement. Uh, we read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. David Alcoholic? Recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for a lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you. 1940s style big book sponsorship. From forward to the second edition of Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back into his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. Uh, can I see a show of hands of recovered alcoholics? Um, is there anyone in the room that needs a sponsor, if you could raise your hand? Um, so we have someone right back there. Could you stand up real quick? Not to embarrass you, just so that everybody can see who... Uh, so if any of the ladies want to see her after the meeting, we'll help get her back to God. Please join us on Monday nights for our Big Book study meeting where the Big Book comes alive. Uh, fellowship starts at 6.30, and then the Big Book study starts at 7.15. And actually, this Monday, we'll also be starting um, a brand-new uh, tradition series with Tanisha. Um, so that's something to look forward to. So if you want to come check that out. Um, I've got a couple announcements. Uh, we've got the Broward County Intergroup uh, information on how to contact them, office hours. Um, you can get literature and medallions. And there's some volunteer opportunities. So the next planning meeting for the 57th Intergroup Appreciation Banquet is coming up um, on Tuesday the 14th at 6. Um, and that's going to be at the Intergroup Bookstore. So hopefully you saw that last slide. Um, we have the BCIC, uh, they have their monthly meetings, um, so the next one's coming up on the 11th. Is there any BCIC representatives with us tonight? Awesome. Could you stand up real quick? Uh, so if you want to get any information on that, you can see Tanisha after the meeting. Um, awesome. AA's got talent. Um, so it's time to dust off the tap shoes. If you, uh, if you have uh, been working on the routine all year, that's coming up on the 1st. And we've got Robert here. He's got tickets for it. So you can see him after the meeting if you want to get tickets. Um, the FCYPAA 2020. Yeah, uh, that's coming up on June 5th to the 7th. Um, young people. Yeah, cool. 
Um, uh, so yeah, next Thursday we have Doc doing his uh, third um, session, so something to look forward to, and then that's our Monday night meeting. Um, we have CDs, mugs, large print big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale on the table in the back. Um, and then also of all the information for the stuff that was just up here is on that back table as well. Um, and if you do want to purchase anything on that table, uh, we do take, um, we have like the swipe thing, the square, and uh, we also do Venmo or Zelle. Um, and we also take contributions that way if you're interested. Um, we meet every Thursday starting promptly at 7.15. We ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. Um, and also, um, we have a smoking area set up down here where there's buckets. Uh, the Boy Scouts are back, and they're bumming cigarettes hard. So if you could just make your way down there, um, that would really help out. Um, so that's all I got. Thanks. I'll see you next week. Uh, we have tonight's session and all the past speaker podcasts online for free at alcoholics, alcoholicsandgod.org. I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night big book study. And those who wish to thank tonight's speaker, please line up down the center aisle. Uh, now let's close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. It doesn't matter.
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Green now, 
growing vines. They twist and turn each way, flowers blooming all the time outside my door. Never before. I had to change everything to realize that today is the best day of my life. Cause this broken man I traveled far and wide through the great divide through his own heart, yeah. Just about to start. So I face each day in a brand new way. Show up and plug in my guitar. And I play my songs. And people sing along. And stomp their feet and raise their arms. And here in this moment that we share. Nothing could come The fog is lifted, see the light Count my blessings when I go to sleep at night And I dream now Yeah, I dream now And everything's alright <laughs> Oh man Going on 10 years old, that song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Just won't set me free. Well, clap your hands if you believe me too. 